just uh, go and have a rest and listen to the preaching. Hope you're all listening at home. I can see you sat there in your pajamas. Um, no, I can't really, don't worry. Um, this is not Saturday night takeaway. We are not about to come live into one of your living rooms. Now, um, just to clarify something, um, we probably won't be um, live in worship um, from next Sunday onwards. Um, it's looking like probably we just won't be able to do that because of the restrictions um, that are in place. And, but we will be putting some content out to help us to worship. And we will, even if it's from one of our homes, we will still live stream um, preaching on a Sunday morning. So do come back every Sunday at 10.30 and see what we've got um, each week. So I don't know how you've been feeling. Um, obviously, there's just so much going on, so much news, so much on social media, so much that we're talking about. Um, with our friends. Um, you might be thinking, well, it's all been um, over-exaggerated, or you might be thinking, I'm really, really scared right now. You might be scared about catching the virus yourself. Maybe you've got some underlying health conditions. Maybe you fall into that vulnerable category. Maybe you're scared for your relatives. Maybe you're worried about the impact on jobs and our economy. Maybe you're worried about the impact on your job. Um, I think it's really, really important for us to acknowledge the feelings that are going on inside of us right now. Um, I know sometimes we're tempted to say, well, you know, there's no place for fear and we're people of faith. And uh, the danger is that sometimes we push, we squash down the feelings that are going on inside of us. And we don't acknowledge them because we think we're supposed to be people of faith. And but you know what? It, it's important that we're real about what's going on. And I'd encourage us to find ways of, without spreading panic or fear, nevertheless to express those feelings that are going on inside of ourselves to one another in a supportive way so that we can work our way towards faith rather than trying to pretend that those emotions are not going on. I know there's been times this week when I felt really overwhelmed by the magnitude of what we're facing. And it's okay to admit that and to come to God with that and to find faith together. And that's what we're going to seek to do um, this morning. So um, Psalm 91, um, perhaps one of the Bible passages that we're hearing quoted um, more often at the moment. Um, if you've got a Bible or a, app that, yeah, a, a Bible reading app that you can bring up without losing this, um, then feel free to turn with me. Otherwise, I promise you that I will read it um, accurately. Um, Psalm chapter, Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. And if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands 
so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I'm going to be honest. I've wrestled um, with this psalm. I think mainly because I felt really uncomfortable with the way some people have been quoting it. As those who are called to proclaim good news of God's good and loving rule and reign in our world, I think we need to think carefully about how people will hear and interpret some of the things that we say. I mean, we're quoting the Bible and, and it's truth, but we need to think about how people in our context today will hear what we're saying. I remember when um, Judith and I first got married, um, sometimes, you know, like all young married couples, we experienced a little bit of a disconnect in communication. Sometimes, you know, I would say something, obviously, perfectly clearly, easy to understand, you know, anyone would have got what I was saying, but it seemed that Judith didn't. And it seems sometimes we had cross words with one another, and sometimes, you know, we, we, we just missed one another. And, you know, in those younger days, I thought that was entirely her fault, because obviously I was communicating properly and she was misunderstanding. And then I grew up, <laughs> and I realized that actually it's as much my responsibility how I communicate as it is how somebody hears. In fact, it's in my interests for the person I'm trying to communicate with, in that case, Judith, it's in my interest that she would understand what I'm saying. And so the onus is on me to think carefully about how I say things and what I say and how I communicate the truth that I'm trying to communicate. And I think we need to do that as Christians. So let's take a look at this psalm together. The psalms, of course, are a very particular kind of scripture. Um, the book of Psalms, it's made up of passionate and powerful poetry and song that captures the highs and the lows of human emotion and experience. We believe that the, the Psalms are scripture. They are inspired by God. They are breathed out by God. But we recognize that here as much as Anywhere in scripture, the Holy Spirit speaks to us through human experience. And divine truth is expressed to us through the filter of human expression. So not every line in the Psalms is what God is saying directly to us as a prophecy. But God will nevertheless speak to us through the experiences of those psalmists, those human beings having real experiences, real emotions, real passions, real challenges, real fears, just like we experience today. In that sense, we shouldn't approach each line of a psalm as if it were like a clause in a legal contract or a technical document, but we should seek to be shaped in our experience of God. Now, in Jewish experience, and of course, that's very much the background, the context um, of these psalms, um, God came into our world and manifested himself amongst us by dwelling in a temple. 
And so the Jewish people were used to having to go to Jerusalem to a temple. And so right at the outset of this psalm, the psalmist, um, he kind of turns that on its head. He mixes it up a bit because he says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Not whoever goes to the temple, which is what they might have expected, but whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Not the temple, but him. I will find my dwelling place in him. And of course, at a time when we are unable to come to our buildings or even our regular gatherings in our home, this has to be true for us. That we find our shelter and our security, our dwelling place, our place of refuge in him. The temptation to have the presence of God provided for us by church meetings and gatherings is being taken away from us. And suddenly we find ourselves having to press into the presence of God for ourselves again. Suddenly we find ourselves now more than ever having to sustain our own relationship with God. And I want to encourage every single one of us across the church to press in to press in to the presence of God, to find our dwelling place, not in our organized meetings or gatherings, not relying on a worship leader or a preacher to make it happen for us, but to find ourselves in God, to dwell in him and to find our shelter there. And this is the psalmist's confession. Those first two verses, the psalmist saying, this is my experience. This is my testimony. This is what I have found to be true. I don't have to be in Jerusalem. I don't have to be in the temple. But I can find refuge in God. He talks about dwelling in the shadow. I remember um, last year, um, seems a long time ago now, when we were allowed to travel um, on airplanes uh, and, and go to other places, other countries. And um, Judith and I and the children, and Judith's parents actually were on a holiday in Spain together. And it was the middle of a heat wave. It was unbearably hot. And I remember in the middle of the day, we would do anything to find some shade, to find somewhere where we could get out of the intensity of the scorching midday sun, where we could find relief, where we could find refreshing. And God is that to us in the middle of the intensity of this situation. With everything that might be going on around us, with the anxiety that we might be feeling, he is our shadow, he's our shade, he's where we can retreat to out of the intensity of that heat, yeah. and we can be safe. Yeah. He is our refuge yeah. and our fortress, a place of safety from attack. When all the uncertainty is going on around us, we can find peace. We can find calm, just as Jesus, that time when the disciples were so scared because they were in a boat and there was a storm raging all around of them. And, and what was Jesus doing? He was sleeping. How could Jesus sleep in the middle of a storm? It's not that Jesus didn't care. We know from the rest of scripture, Jesus was always filled with compassion. He cares about our circumstances, but somehow he could find that peace within himself to sleep in the middle of a storm. Now, I'm not encouraging us to be oblivious or blasé about the magnitude and the gravity of the situation our nation faces, but I am encouraging us to be those who discover what it is, nevertheless, to be able to sleep, even in the midst of a storm, not denying what's going on, but still finding our peace in him. 
We need to make this our testimony. Just like the psalmist says, that's my testimony. We need to make this our testimony. We need to learn and practice the art of God's presence, of dwelling in him. Now, from verses 3 to 13, the psalmist starts to apply his own testimony to those who are listening to his song. So he started by saying, this is what I found, and now he says, this is what's going to be true for you too. Because he's not happy just to experience it for himself. But he wants to declare this beautiful and amazing truth to all who will listen. Remember the songs, the, the Psalms, they're like songs. He's like, he's like singing this, he's proclaiming this. He wants us all to join in. And this is what he says. Surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your sight, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. And if you say the Lord is my refuge and make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. The foulest snare, the terror of night, the arrow that flies by day, pestilence and plague. These aren't the only problems a person might encounter. This is not an exhaustive technical list. Remember, this is poetry. These things, they, they represent suffering. They represent, in many cases, things over which we have no control. They didn't happen as a result of something that we did, but suffering that we experience in our world. And the psalmist says, all this will be going on around you, but it won't come near you because God will protect you. And so we find ourselves asking, well, what does that mean? Can I legitimately interpret and apply this to mean that God promises me, as a Christian, that I will not catch coronavirus? Are God's people immune from the virus? Well, let me say unequivocally, in case the connection interrupts before I make this point, no, we don't believe that. Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. That's an amazing verse, isn't it? God works for our good in all things. And yet, you look up Romans 8, 28, and it comes right in the middle of a whole passage about suffering. The context of that verse, that God works all things for good, is one of suffering. In fact, the New Testament is full of Christians suffering. It's full of Christians suffering for being Christians, but it's also full of Christians suffering alongside others in the world in which they live. Romans 8, 35 to 39, just a little bit later in that same chapter, says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, 
as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. Paul is acknowledging here in his letter to the Romans, we as Christians are suffering. We're experiencing all of these things. But then he says this, verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, being more than conquerors does not mean that they don't experience it. They're going through all these things, but he says, as we go all through all these things, we are nevertheless more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including the coronavirus, including COVID-19, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, our world is full of suffering and Christians are not immune to it. Christians are not immune to coronavirus, and Psalm 91 is not a promise to that effect. We should follow all government advice on social distancing. It's so important that we do that for the protection of the vulnerable in society that we slow down the spread of this virus, even as, of course, we look to God and we believe him, and we're praying and we're crying out to him with faith that he would intervene. But in the meantime, let's do all that we can to show love and value and honor and respect for the society in which we live and do all that we can to be part of protecting the vulnerable. I find it really interesting that Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, it was actually Psalm 91 that was one of the scriptures that Satan tried to twist and quote out of context to get Jesus to throw himself off um, from a height. And he, he quoted that bit about the, the angels, they will, they will hold you up and you, you won't get hurt. And you see, Jesus was never going to allow the scripture to be quoted out of context, to elevate him above others, to make it all about him. The point of this psalm is not that we might in some way exalt ourselves above others. Well, we're all right, we're okay, we're protected. And we just sit back and watch as the wicked perish. I'm sure that is not what anyone intends. But it's the way it can come across if we're not careful. In the way some people say things. You see, we live in a broken world. And the reason there is sickness and disease is because of sin. We don't believe that this outbreak is God's judgment. God's direct imposition of a, of a disease on on some particular sin or some particular nation or group or anything like that. But we do believe that the reason our world is broken is because of the choices that we as humanity have made from the very beginning. That we know best. That we would do things our way rather than God's way. That we don't need a relationship with God. That we can just get on regardless of him. That we can put him to one side. That we can be our own people. God made us for relationship with him. God made us to know him. God made us to be loved by him. God made us to love him and to love others even as we are loved by him. God made us to bring his good, perfect rule and reign to the ends of the earth. But we said, no, we'll do it our way. We'll be the masters of our own destiny. We'll put ourselves first. And at that point, sin and 
death and corruption and brokenness and disease entered into our world. And we've been living with it ever since. So we see what is going on at the moment as part of that bigger picture of brokenness in our world. And we believe that the answer is Jesus. We believe that the answer is Jesus because we believe that he's the way that we can be restored back into relationship with God. That we can know him as we were always meant to know him. That he can be our refuge and our shelter. That we can find ourselves in him. That we can be restored in relationship with him. You see, Jesus died on a cross. He was executed. He was beaten. He was despised. He took all of our rejection of God, all of our sin, all of our shame. He took it upon himself. And God is not angry with us anymore if we would only come and accept what Jesus has done for us. If we would only accept what he, the price that he has paid, if we would only follow him, if we would only love him with all that we are and enjoy the kind of relationship that he made us for. So Psalm 91, 7 and 8 are difficult verses for us to read. It's in Psalm 91, 7 and 8. It says, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but you... But it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. And it's really hard for us to talk about the wicked in our context without sounding really judgmental. But we have to remember that all of humanity is sinful. All of humanity has rejected relationship with God. And we were all that way. None of us was born holy. None of us was born in a state of relationship with God But we can all come back to him. We can all know him. We can all find our peace in him. And this is what the psalmist is saying. He's saying you can have a better future. You can have a better world. You can have a better experience. You can be part of this kingdom, this beautiful rule and reign, this perfect order that God has intended for our world. And we can enter into it and we can start to live in it here and now. You see, there's a future dimension that is still to come. So we still see the brokenness, but the gospel that Christians proclaim is that we can start to enter into it and experience it here and now. And this is something of what the psalmist is trying to get us to experience in the middle of this psalm. He's saying you can start to experience, you can start to know the restoration of all things that God has promised. Through relationship with him, you can start to know what it is to live in that safe place. It's almost like we we live there in that perfect place at the same time as we live here in this broken place. So we experience the brokenness and we suffer alongside those who suffer and we feel their pain. And yet somehow we've tasted of something that is to come. We've found a hope. We've found a future. And rather than causing us to judge those around us, these verses actually drive us into mission. Because when we think of those who are perishing, when we think of those who who are still outside of relationship with God, we long for them to experience this same peace, this same comfort, this same shelter. Just as the psalmist says, this is my testimony, this is what I've experienced, and this is what you can know too. Ezekiel 18, 23. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? declares the sovereign Lord. Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? 
whatever words we find to express this in our modern culture and context. We need to help our friends, neighbours, colleagues, family members, whoever it is, we need to help them to know that God loves them and longs for them to come back to relationship with himself. And he longs to give them this hope, this comfort, this refuge, this sure and certain future in him. And so we come to the last three verses, verses 14 to 16. Because he loves me, says the Lord. We've now moved from the psalmist expressing how his testimony might become our testimony. And now he's speaking the very words of God to us in prophecy. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Because he loves me and acknowledges my name, I will rescue him and protect him. I will answer him and I will be with him. I will deliver him and I will honor him. We can enter into that relationship with God and we can live in that place. We can dwell in him even here and now. We start to live in it now knowing that ultimately nothing can snatch us out of God's hand. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus. We do still experience suffering, and ultimately death in this world. But there is a life in God that will last forever. You know, that end of that promise when it says, with long life I will satisfy him, I don't think that's particularly promising that we're all going to live to 120, because clearly that isn't our experience. Not all Christians live to past 100. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Do you know, I find it interesting that that long life, um, it's actually length of days in the original language. And we find it as well in Psalm 23 and verse 6, where it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is talking about an eternal life. Eternal life that speaks of both quality of life in relationship with God and quantity of life that never ends, that goes on forever. For whether we live or whether we die, whether we go through suffering, whether we are able to help others and we escape and the virus never touches us, whether we find ourselves in self-isolation, whatever our circumstances, however God would work in us and through us, we can know that we are safe in his hands. We can know that he has us and nothing can snatch us out of his hand. We know that we have length of days, eternal life, that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And all of us can find that life in God by dwelling in him, by living in his presence, by making him our home. Psalm 91 sings beautifully and prophetically and poetically of this experience. Ephesians 2 and verse 10, in fact, if you want to look afterwards, look up verses 1 to 10 to, to give it in its fantastic context. But Ephesians 2 verse 10 talks about us being God's workmanship. And interestingly, the word for workmanship there is, is the word that we get our English word poem from. 
So literally, it's kind of saying that we are God's poem, like a psalm. So your life today is like a psalm. Your life today speaks of your experience of finding God as your refuge. And so we're challenged in response to what we've heard from the scriptures today to make this our experience. You see, we can't sing of and, and live out and demonstrate what isn't actually a reality for us. But we have to find that place in God where we're honest about our fears, we're honest about our anxieties, we're honest about our uncertainties. We talk about those, we're real about those, we talk with God about those. And we find that place where we find refuge and comfort and shelter in him. And hope and faith does start to arise. Because we know that we have a better message. That whilst we can offer hope and pray and believe God for the supernatural, that we can cry out to him and say, Lord, would you stop this virus? Lord, would you help the medics to develop a vaccine faster than they ever could have done without you? Lord, would you heal the sick? Would you heal my sick neighbor? Would you heal my sick family member? And we can see the future breaking into our world. We believe in the supernatural. But our hope goes beyond that, not just for the here and now. But our hope keeps us rooted and anchored in him, our dwelling place, our refuge, our shelter. That at the end of the day, all shall be well because nothing can snatch me out of his hand. And I can live that hope. My life can sing that hope in the midst of my community, in my neighborhood, in my street, in the interactions I have. Perhaps we've set up a, 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 a neighborhood group for our street. Perhaps we're texting people that we've come to know better in these circumstances. Perhaps it's with your family members. But your life, through being you, through being real, through being rooted in him, can sing of the hope that we have in God. And that hope is needed in this nation and this world at this time more than ever before. Right. So I'm praying that we will make this experience our experience and that we will allow this experience to be a poetic, beautiful, prophetic song that touches all those around us yeah. in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come upon us and help us Draw us deeper into you. Draw us deeper, deeper, deeper into relationship with you. Help us to press in and find you. Help us to read the scriptures like never before. Help us, Lord God, to devote ourselves to prayer. Lord God, to, to hearing you, to hearing what you're saying through your word, to hearing what you're saying through one another as we connect online and through WhatsApp groups and whatever else, Lord God. Help us to go deeper into you. And Lord God, help us to truly live this experience. Where you, our, you are our shelter. The shelter of the Most High. That we would rest in your shadow, the shadow of the Almighty. That we would say of you, Lord God, you are our refuge and our fortress. Our God in whom we trust. May God bless you all. Keep you safe, in Jesus' name.